1: And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 1053 The Fan, and we welcome our partner on this show, two time Stanley Cup champion. Should be in the North Dakota Hall of Fame. Boy, what else should I say about you? Future stars, Ring of Honor, coaching these kids here in Dallas to championships. He's Craig Ludwig. How are you, Craig?
0: Good, Gavin. That was a good show. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>
1: Love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, this is going to be a spits and suds quickie. We're going to run through a whole bunch today, uh, and want to start with the loss in San Jose last night, Craig. When you played, is it just possible that a team can be a bad matchup? Uh, I know the Stars have spent a lot of time on on the road, and it is what it is. Uh, however, I'll say this: of the nine periods played between these two teams, I think San Jose has played better in five and a half periods. Uh, they've scored 12 goals against the stars. So I didn't kind of look at last night's loss as a fluke. I just looked at it as San Jose plays the stars. Well, I will say giving up a three goal lead, you know, I'm sure DeBoer and crew thinks is unacceptable.
0: Yeah. Well, the good news is, is I don't think they're going to meet him in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't, you don't have to worry about that one, but, but they are in a tight race. And so uh, every game, is important. Uh, You've got Minnesota starting to crawl up and uh, get in line and you've got Winnipeg who is having one of those kind of years. And uh, yeah, I think there, I think there's teams that you, you have, and I think the games over the past, even though I don't think it's probably like it used to be you know back when we played that that was a big that was a big rivalry. I mean, you wouldn't think it, but but that was a big game and 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 maybe that still boils over to to some people in San Jose and um although I don't even know how many people would still be involved in the organization um you know since those games. but you know I think you <clears throat> you come off a big win against a team that's you know first in the other side of the conference in in Vegas and you have a big game you have a uh, big game from your goaltender, you get a shutout and you, you come in and, and, and sometimes you think it's just going to fall into line. But, you know, I've said this before, I, I, I kind of measure teams once they've played somewhere between 50 and 60 games and and we're in that, we're in that neighborhood. Now, Dallas has proven to be a good team. They're, they're, they're a top team in the NHL and you're not going to win them all. Um, you know, unless your name is Boston Bruins. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, they're, you're on the road, you're playing what three and four is it or four, three and five, whatever it is on the road. Um, You know, they got a game tonight in LA. Uh So, you know, sometimes you, you look past the team that you're playing. I mean, you see where they are in the standings. And, and again, you know, we've been there and it, it's not easy to be, you know, at that level every single night over the course of 82 games. And, you know, what's important um, for the team now uh, starting this morning or even after the game is how do they play against LA? Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's that race. I mean, now the, the good news is, is that I, I think whenever you, if you go back to last year, <clears throat> when you looked at the East, the eight teams that were going to make the playoffs in the East, geez, seems like they were settled in, in November. And so all it was going to be is jockeying for positions. Well, this is a little bit different. So um, you have a purpose to come to all, so far, all you know, 40, 50 games that, that they've been involved in um, because of the jockeying, what's going on and where you can go. And and they've been sitting at the top uh, for most of the year. And so you know that, that's the good news. And I expect them to have a good bounce back game tonight um, against a team that I believe is very well rested if i if i looked right they haven't played since saturday in mm. la so um sometimes that's a bad thing sometimes you sit around a little bit too much um yeah you've
1: you uh, said to get you when you're on the road you want to go back at it the next night right
0: yeah i mean and again as a player you don't have to sit around with a day in between and our coach is going to have meetings and what's our practice going to be like and all that kind of stuff you just get back at it and coaches know that too you know they come into the <clears throat> i would think that the way that the Dallas team has been playing this year, Pete DeBoer's—they, I, I really truly believe that they play for that guy. I, I think he has the respect of every single player in that room, um, and that was an important game on uh, against Vegas. You know, they knew that that was a team that he he was part of, and they wanted to win that game. And I believe that he was a big reason why they played the kind of game that they did. But but these are the kind of games um, when you play the next night. You you, you you park it. It's gone. We get a game tomorrow. I mean, in, in less than 12 hours, we're on the ice again or 14, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, their their focus is on the game tonight and, and the coaching staff is not going to be showing video clips of what all went wrong last night um, unless it's a little tweak because you're playing a, a different team tonight. So I, I just think you throw this one a overall, this has been a, a real good team. I think that's played with a, a good amount of consistency this year.
1: I actually thought Radic Fox had his best game of the season.
0: <laughs> well, we're gonna clip that one. And that should be what you you should hear that clip leading into your podcast all the time.
1: I actually put a note down. I thought he played well, really well oh, last night.
0: Scored, I mean, he, he scored for you, right? Did he, he scored score the third. goal? Yeah, he scored a goal. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. Then what happened? I thought maybe you'd throw him under the bus. No, the third ball and then the wheels fell off in the second period. I thought I, I, blame
1: I thought he was active in front of the net. <laughs> I thought he's, he's, he scored a goal. I thought he played well. I mean, listen. I, mean, I, the, uh,
0: I, apparently, I thought the two-goal lead was the worst lead in hockey. Apparently for Dallas, it's 3-0. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. Okay, was this me? Is this my eyesight going along with everything else in my body? I, the, was it the TNT camera angles or the SAP center last night? I mean, I felt as though I was kind of watching game tape. It was a little too far away. Did you catch that sense, too?
0: Yeah. You know... What what distracts me are the damn cars driving around and the people running around on the boards. You know, oh I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, but but yeah, I, I think that are they trying to try different things? You know, it, it, TNT. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody seems to to love the broadcast. The guys at intermission are good, and I, I, I obviously they. I think they they're trying to take a page out of the NBA. Um, you know, with the personalities and things like that. I think they do a good job. Uh, but that being said, I'm not sure if TNT has anything to do with the camera angles. I, I don't know. I And I, I'm, a lot of times the, the camera people are the camera people in each building and the trucks just plug into those people. So I don't know how, how that operates when with the TNT games, do they have their own cameras and are they trying to get a different look? Are they trying to change something and, you know, test it and and get a better view for the, for the viewers? I, I'm not sure. But yeah, there's times, I, but I... As a viewer, I get distracted with little cars driving around the boards. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to hit, you know, it's going to hit, gonna hit <laughs> yeah. you know, where's the crosswalk side? So I, I have an issue with that. But, um, you know, again, that's that's just me.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. The TNT crew is good. I'm biased. Craig, I think you actually should be a part of something like this because of your great personality. And that's why I'm glad you're doing a lot of these projects because you have great stories and you have a really good personality toot your horn right there, but um, they were talking in between periods about something I found fascinating, tablets on the bench and as a coach who coaches youth, you know, what are your thoughts as a former player, now coach?
0: Well, funny you bring that up. Um, we have a different team with our our AAA team this year. They're different than last year and we had about an hour meeting. <laughs> uh, we did. We went on the ice for 15 minutes and had a I guess you could call it a come to Jesus meeting. And, and so when you talk about catalysts uh, from a player's role, um, they're not always who you think they are. And, you know, sometimes they'll say it's always the guys with the letters on their jerseys have to be the leaders. And that's not necessarily true all the time. Sometimes it's, it's the least expected guy on the team that's had enough of this or that. Um, or that goal that scored. You know, you look at DeLandria last night scoring the first goal. Not a good goal by by Reimer, but it's a big goal. And I think we've seen that a little bit, you know, here and there from DeLandria this year. Um, so I think on good teams, it, it's a reason that they're good teams. It's not the same voice standing up all the time. And it's part of our conversation, you know, with, that we've had with our team. And it can't always be the coaches yelling and screaming. I go back to, you know, our buddy Hitchcock and <clears> – <throat> You know, there were there were certain things put on us um, as a group of, of leaders. And there was a certain place that coaching staff wanted to get the team to uh, the style of play that, you know, all the things that go into becoming a winning team. And when the coaching from a coach's standpoint, when you start to hear players on the bench preaching what the coaches are normally preaching, whether it's in practice and during games, as a coach, you stand back and you go, now we're getting there because they're starting to sell the message between themselves. And, and so, you know, within that room, and we don't, I don't think you're really always going to know who they are unless players come up and speak up. Um, there are different players, you know, and again, and I think it needs to be like that because when you live with a group of group, group of 23 guys for seven months a year and you're with them every single day, you don't want to hear Jamie or, or Tyler or, or Miro, or whoever they, it may be that's speaking up in the room, you want to hear different voices because then, you know, the old cliche, you, you feel as everybody's pulling on the rope the same way. And and to me, that's what makes a good team. And obviously, they've got that um, with this group.
1: Okay. Last night, obviously, the Stars playing great in the first period. Puck toward the end of the first goes into the San Jose bench. Hits assistant coach Ryan. Warsawski, he comes back with stitches. Does that fire up a team?
0: Yep, hundred percent. Interesting. Um, again, it, it's the it's the mentality. It's the mentality of a hockey player that. I mean, look. Uh, you probably weren't. I don't know if you got to see the Boston game. I di-
1: against Toronto or. Yeah.
0: No, last night's game. Oh, last night's game.
1: Yeah, another dominant oh. performance.
0: Yeah, but their captain you know, arguably one of the best players in the the league and has been for 10, 12 years, Um, gets hit with a puck. Uh, It got deflected and he was coming to the net, never saw the puck coming, hits him just under the visor and goes straight down. And the players from the other team are yelling at the referee to blow the whistle. They stop the play. Bergeon gets right up and skates off the ice. He comes back about Five shifts later with his nose plugged with gauze and and acts as if it never happens. And and that that's the character of of this game for years and years and years. And it and it was started probably back in the 30s and 40s. And I mean, there were guys that played with broken legs for God's sakes. So uh it's it's a tradition. And regardless if you're a trainer, you're you're a head coach and assistant coach and right down to the players um it, it's what we do um it, it's different than other sports <laughs> and I'm not gonna throw soccer under the bus but it's different than other sports and and especially when you see a guy standing up in a suit behind the bench and, and assistant coaches are always friends of the players for the most part it's the head coach that's got to be the you know he's the hard ass of the group and 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 players go through the assistant coaches and coaches are kind of the you know they're they're the tunnel to the head coach, and they've got to they've got to be that that conduit, and and so they they talk to the players when a coach is on them, and hey, listen, here's what he said, and I can talk to him, and you know you're you're kind of the the go between, and but when you see those kind of things happen, because the players do it all the time, and it really just tells you <laughs> we're all in this together. We're we're, we're the, the coaches feel that they're just as big a part of the game that's going on on the ice. And I watch players, I mean, from a player's standpoint and a coach's standpoint, they watch their players do this all the time. So for a coach to get hit by a puck or a sticker or whatever may happen and return to the bench after, you know, five, 10 minutes and getting some stitches or whatever happened, you know, there's a little boost right there because you, you, can, you can live – Without one of the seven assistant coaches that are on benches <laughs> now, you know they got him up in the sky, they got him on the bench, they got him behind the bench, and you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it is. It's it's uplifting for players.
1: Uh, I remember one time I got hit with a tennis ball during warm up,
0: and oh my god! I am
1: just kidding around. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. <laughs> oh I knew I'd get you. <laughs> I saw the eye roll through the microphone. <laughs>
0: oh no, there was more than that. <laughs> All right.
1: Stephen Stamkos. I was just
0: getting ready to pull the top of the computer down and set it <laughs> off. That's
1: it for the day. Stephen Stamkos, the stammer, 500 goals. My goodness, if he was playing in another market, if he was playing in New York or whatever, I mean, it's just it's it's such a fly under the radar superstar.
0: Hey, if he was playing if he was playing in New York, he wouldn't have back-to-back Stanley Cups. That's true. He, and he wouldn't have a beach that he goes to 12 months a year and riding to practice every day with his top down on his Ferrari or whatever he drives. So I believe that Stammer is completely satisfied and happy where he's playing right now. Um, and and you saw what happened when we all saw it a couple of years ago, that, that game that he played against Dallas in the finals and he played what two minutes and fourteen yeah. seconds or something like that comes off the bench and he was hurt, comes off, scores a goal. and it, And it was like, it was like the celebration that he got after scoring the 500 tool and the team came off the bench and they, you know, they were, you can tell what kind of a leader and what kind of respect he has in that group um, among the coaches and, and, and his teammates and within the city, you know, so he's, he's the first ballot guy, right? I mean, he's going in, you know, I don't. and some of these guys, I don't know if they do this in the NHL. I don't understand why some of these guys got to wait three years. I, I don't get it. So um, but he's, he's dancing into the hall of fame and, uh, you know, the, the, he's one of those guys, uh, regardless if you're playing against him, um, you're a fan of the Tampa Bay lightning, but you just feel good for the kid. I am a kid. He's not a kid anymore. You just feel good for the player because you look at the injuries that he's had to battle through. You look at the contract that he took to stay part of the organization. I mean, there was talk that he was going to leave and, um, we always hear about the, you know the the team friendly contracts and be, to be able to fit it into the into the system, into the cap, into the team, in order for the GM to go out and make some additions. And you know it, that's what happened. I mean, they went out and you know he stayed with the team. He took less money than he probably would have gotten in you know with with another club in free agency. Um, you know it's, to me it's it's what a captain should be i I just think that and Bergeron the same kind of guy in Boston you know these are the kind of guys that that there's a reason that when the when his career is over whenever he wants it to be over, he will probably have an opportunity if he wants it to stick around Tampa Bay and be part of this team and yeah. he should yeah you know, no different than the way I feel about Joe Pavelski. even though Joe hasn't been here for 20 years. Um, you know, and, and I, I think I said it to you a couple of months ago, I'd have been working on a, a Joe Pavelski contract, um, already. You did. what was it three, four weeks ago, they come out and then he took even a couple million dollars less than what he was, what I think he's getting this year, whatever it is, you know? So it just shows you the commitment of these type of, of, of individuals. I mean, who they are, not just on the ice, but off the ice.
1: Speaking of commitment, one of the great commitments in the game of hockey throughout history is the enforcer. And uh, we lost one um, this week with the passing of Gino Ochick. Twelve seasons in the NHL: Canucks, Islanders, Flyers, Montreal Canadiens. Unfortunately, too early of a death at fifty-two. Any memories there, Craig?
0: Yeah, of him chasing me around the ice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he many challenges never accepted. Um, no, but but Gino was that team guy. You know, he was the Shane Churla of, of our team. Um, and we could go down a list of. Uh, you know, guys that that had that role in that day, in that particular era, um, never heard a bad thing about him uh, from teammates, which is the most important thing. He could care less what opponents say. But um, even after he passed, uh, all the people that said it, I mean, from from GMs, coaches, players, about who he was, uh, you know, and, and it's who he was. You, you could just tell the kind of player he was, the commitment that he had, uh to his teammates now I'm not going to say the jersey I'm going to say his teammates because it didn't matter it didn't matter what team he was on it was to his teammates but I understand that um he had a some kind of a rare blood disease I believe something like that and that was 10 years earlier and and he fought for an extra 10 years to, to to stay around which is maybe that's the word that best describes him is fought or fight um not just on the ice I mean fought to to stick around and, and fought for his family and fought for his teammates and, and fought for whatever organization. So, um, yeah, uh, at, in, in, 52 years old, it's way too soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, way, 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 way too soon. I don't know if I asked you or I asked, uh, Sean, this. getting back to Bevelsky. I think another couple of years here, if he goes into the hall of fame, would you raise him to the rafters?
0: I th- that's a tough one.
1: <clears throat> it is. Um,
0: I, I love the guy. So if you're asking me personally, yes. I what think you, I but, would uh, too. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Do you have to play in the organization? You know, the, I don't know if there's a criteria to that, to the stars hall of fame. Now, do you have to be in the organization for a period of time? I don't know what all the criteria is. Um, You know, and, and there's been other players that have come through here, yep. you know, that, that were, you know, that are in the hall of fame, but maybe they're not to the rafters. So whatever meets that criteria, um, but I would, I would be willing to bet if you asked his teammates, they would say yes, which, which is probably enough for Joe knowing Joe. Um, does that mean that, I mean, should he be in the rafters in San Jose? Yes. I mean, wouldn't he, wouldn't he be hanging in the rafters in San Jose before Dallas? And I, I don't know. I, and that's a thing I don't know. I mean, do do players have jerseys in different buildings that they played in? Like is Yager hanging up in, in one of the other seven teams he played for when he was chasing records and, uh, or is he just in Pittsburgh or, you know, players like that? I, I don't know. Is Gretz hanging up in, in New York? Is he besides Edmonton? I'm not sure.
1: Uh, Boy, that's a good one. I, I was thinking Brett Hull.
0: I, is Holly in St. Louis? And is he – I don't know. I would If he's not in St. Louis, there's something wrong.
1: Yeah, I think he he's retired I don't in know. St.
0: Louis. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, is, it is a fascinating conversation. I'm just glad he's staying with the stars. It's a it's a it's a great story. So on to your next venture. Sure. This is a uh, quickie, but uh, always great to have you on uh, the program. Trade deadline coming up. So Sean and I have been talking a lot about it. So they mentioned uh Patrick Kane on the TNT broadcast last night, possibly joining the stars. I, I don't want to Oh for it.
0: God's sake. Who no. hasn't mentioned Patrick?
1: Yeah, exactly. The salary's too steep. I he's got he's got an injury. Me personally, I, I'm not mortgaging the future for he's a great player. But I'm just not doing it. So I mean, if you want yeah, to pick are up, are you a piece- bringing,
0: are you are you bringing bringing a player in for the playoff run, or are you bring, bringing a player in to be part of the club for the next three years? Exactly. Which, which I don't know. I mean, you know, is Patrick Kane the same Patrick Kane he was six seven years ago? Uh, probably not. Yeah. But is he still a good player? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm. I, I said this on another show. I was doing that uh, when you have teams like this. <clears throat> that are consistently good year-long. And I think they've proven that they are. I'm not sure that – I think what you're doing is you're adding depth. Uh, and and we'll see. I mean, hopefully Rupe is going to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I said this before, I I, I he has pockets of injuries. And and, and we, we know one that was during the playoffs and he couldn't play. And it was after warm-ups he couldn't play. So um, hopefully he's going to be healthy. Um, but I think what you're doing is you're looking for depth. Um, depth players. I, I, you always, you never have enough defensemen. Um, You know, and I'm, I'm again, I, I've been a fan of of Ryan Souter, but he's lost a step. Yes, he has. Um, You know, and I and I look at the pair that I think he was playing with Lundquist last night as a pair. Yeah. Do you need Do you need a little depth there going deep in the playoffs? That's where. Yeah, the, would, yes.
1: Yes. That That's where I'd go. And by the way, I didn't want to. Uh, well, I forgot to mention it. Um, I think they should switch out Suter for Colin Miller
0: on the power play. Well, Collins. But, Collins. I, he was to me. That was the sneaky, the sneaky move yeah. by by Jim Nill. It's great. That, that's one that I don't think people knew unless you watched the game what you were actually getting. Correct. He's a good player. He's got he's got an edge to him. If he if he has to, if he has to drop the gloves, he will. He skates well. He makes good passes. He he can get involved offensively. Um, I mean, he he was the one. He was the one guy when all the moves were made. I'm like nobody's talking about this guy. That's maybe a good thing. So, um, but I agree. I, Ryan, uh, I mean, what Ryan Suter is still a good defenseman. <clears throat> I'm not saying he's not. But I just look at, because I think when you have a team like this, sometimes the best thing to do as a general manager, you make a couple depth moves and a couple days before the deadline, you walk into your room and you tell your player, listen, here's what we're doing. We're going to look to add a little bit of depth, but we believe in this team right now. You guys have proven all year long that you're a good hockey team and, and there's a certain chemistry in their own. And again, I'm just assuming that there's a certain chemistry um, because when teams, would you, what would you do with the Boston Bruins? I mean, are you going to, are you going to tinker with the Boston Bruins right now? I, I don't think so. Um, but again, they may add some depth in there, um, but then there are the GMs that'll say, listen, you know, cause I'll tell you what, when when we had good teams and Mr. Hicks uh, came down and talked to Bob Gainey and said, Hey, what's going to get us over the hump what's going to get us past Detroit that was who he was concerned with and it ended up being Brett Hall that one that move paid off didn't it you yeah. know so <clears throat> Gaining went out there and, and again a, a big reason for that move was Bob had conversations with us and certain people and can we handle that personality and he was confident that we could handle Holly's personality because our group was really tight and we were going to be able to, because we knew Hully and Hully, you don't want to ever take Hulley's personality away. Trust me. But but he was the kind of player in St. Louis where you found him more often in the neutral zone when you were battling in front of your net. That was just the way he played. And he scored 70 plus goals. But, you know, and so he had to kind of be steered to come back a little bit closer to our end zone. And he did. And Hully bought in and he played and and look at what happened. And so you have to think about the chemistry of your team. What kind of player are you going to, because the Dallas stars have brought in some players at times where people are going, you're not bringing this guy in. Uh, and I don't mean Sean Avery. Oh yes, I do. Sean. Um, but that was a Brett Hall move too. <laughs> Hull <was the> GM. <laughs> I mean, talk about imploding. on Everybody's like, Sean Avery. Why are we yeah, doing Yeah, true. You know, so anyways, they have a good, they have a good temperature on their team. They, they know what goes on in that room and how tight they are. And, and, and my, my personal opinion, I don't, and I don't know how many people would agree with this, but if I'm a GM, I'm going to my captain and having uh, conversations that, that won't go any further than the two of them talking and saying, Hey, we're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. And I would say, well, who are you thinking about moving? And because I think, I mean, if you want the temperature of the room, you, you go to your leaders on your team. And, and, and when you, when GMs and scouts and all these smart people know every player in the NHL, players know better, even if they're not friends with them, they know someone that knows someone that knows someone and they can get, listen, he's a great teammate. Uh, you might think he's a great teammate, but here's this. So there's, and again, I'm not saying nothing that probably isn't new to anybody, but I don't know if they have that type of practice. But um, I just, again, I just think I I look at the chemistry of our room and and I just say, okay, you know, we we need a shakeup. We need to move somebody or no, we're not going to, we don't want to disrupt what's going on here. So
1: I think those are great knowledge bombs. He's Craig Ludwig. I'm Gavin Spittle. You've been listening to Spits and Suds. Uh, Spread the word. Uh, It's a podcast that happens three times a week, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. And it's hockey talk that we need here in Dallas-Fort Worth, so to speak. So thanks, as always, for joining us, Craig. And uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with another episode following, um, hopefully, two points in L.A. against the Kings. And Sean Shapiro will join me tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.